Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rusciutti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. The Americans with Disability Act became law in 1990. It prohibits discrimination based on any kind of impairment and mandates provision for access to public spaces for people with wheelchairs. You may have noticed that over the past few years, the city of New Orleans has been updating sidewalks to provide wheelchair access at intersections so people in a wheelchair can do something as simple as cross the street. That's a definite step forward, but other than the street you live on, wherever you go in a wheelchair, you have to get there somehow. If you drive or you have someone you know who can drive, you're good. If you can't drive, you can always get an Uber or a Lyft, right? Well, not exactly, because there are so few wheelchair access vehicles. If you're in a wheelchair getting an Uber or a Lyft, it's mostly an exercise in frustration. That's why Irel Warren created WeLift Rideshare. It's a rideshare company specifically for people in wheelchairs. WeLift works like other rideshares with its own app, and it's available in every one of Louisiana's 64 parishes. Irel Warren, welcome to Out to Lunch. Good afternoon, how are you? Very good. If you wander along the 2,340 miles of the Mississippi River from New Orleans to Minneapolis, Minnesota, you're gonna see a lot of tug and tow boats pushing barges. Here's some interesting facts about those river barges. When it comes to dry goods like bananas or coal, a single barge carries the same amount of cargo as 70 semi-trailer trucks. And for liquid cargo, like, like oil, a single barge carries the equivalent of 144 semi-trailers. As well as this efficiency, the marine transportation industry claims the nation's waterways provide the safest and most environmentally friendly mode of transportation. Commercial river traffic is officially known by the slightly oxymoronic term inland marine transportation. And here in New Orleans, it's big business. One of the biggest local inland marine companies is Blessy Marine Services. They operate 85 tugboats, 175 barges, and employ around 750 people. The president and CEO of Blessy Marine Services is Clark Todd. Clark, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter, for having us. Now, Irel, in terms of social good, starting a ride-sharing company exclusively for people with wheelchairs is a wonderful thing to do. In a business sense, however, it would appear to be pretty challenging. Uh, despite their instant hit status with the general public, in their early years, Uber and Lyft were notorious for losing billions of dollars. Even today, there's still discussion as to whether or not they're really actually making a profit. Of course, these are major global companies with massive legal, logistical, and labor problems. In your case, having a more targeted market narrows the focus of these challenges but now that WeLift is established all across Louisiana, I imagine you're going to be looking at building this service outside of the borders. As you grow the company, are you able to learn from Uber and Lyft? Can you emulate their impressive growth, or more importantly, to avoid their financial pitfalls? Well, I think some of the challenges uh, 
a resolve when you focus on the wheelchair community because you have so many hurdles and requirements to fulfill. So we utilize the NEMT industry, which is we currently contract with about 150 companies across Louisiana, and that allows us to mitigate some of the legal issues because these companies are already established and insured in these areas. So it's more of a coordination platform that uh, allows us to navigate through some of those pitfalls that Uber and Lyft find challenging. Clark, there's very little in the American economy more vital than transportation. As I mentioned, the industry claims that the nation's waterways are the most environmentally friendly mode of transportation we have, but much of the U.S. is now following the lead of other nations and planning to do away with all gas-powered vehicles by 2035. If that really happens and we only have electric-powered trucks on our highways, how will river barges and tugboats mesh into this new transportation grid? Is there such a thing as an electric or alternative-powered tugboat? Yeah, so there is a huge push right now in what we call the sustainability journey of the inland marine market. And so all the major oil companies and most of our customers are requiring us to start looking into those options. And uh, to the answer to the question, yes, there are uh, vessels operating today in U.S. waters that are uh, either fully electric powered. Uh, but the issue with fully electric powered tugboats is their ability to go far. So in this industry where we may be traveling with a, a, a full load of oil from New Orleans to Chicago, you would have to stop and recharge the vessel numerous times. So it makes a lot more sense for a Port and Harbor tug to be powered uh, electrically when they're not going as far as maybe from Algiers to um, Harahan. So, but there is a major push right now, the sustainability, whether it be from the federal government perspective, uh, but we are, as an industry, looking at all the alternatives to uh, the traditional diesel-powered units. And I real, and I'm thinking about where you're getting your clients from. Is it, um, is it hospital discharge nurses, or is it retirement homes, or all of the above? Where does that come from? It's pretty much all of the above. Um, our focus is to meet the clients where they are. So we have nursing homes. We assist with. Uh, Oshner as well as the VA, uh, we do discharges as well as recreational uh, events. So that's something that I really want to push to get our elderly communities back out into society to enjoy their quality of life. Uh, weddings, funerals, graduations. I think the oldest members of our families should definitely be included in all those events. And what about personnel, Clark? Um, uh, I would imagine it's a, well, it's a skill set, and then they kind of go away for a few days and don't come back. Um, is that an issue? It's a huge challenge for the Inland Marine um, companies right now. You know, our, our way of recruiting in the past had always been by word of mouth. One person tells uh, another person about the job, they get excited, they can make a great living, support their family, support their, uh, their children, their wife. We're, tr we're having a tremendously tough time right now recruiting into our uh, industry. So most companies like ours have now, we have a recruiting staff on board, which we didn't have for the last 35 or 40 years. Uh, so we've been in business for over 45 years and we, until this year, didn't have a recruiting department, but now we do. So we're having to go to different corners of, of uh, the US to find uh, good hardworking men and women who want to be a part of this industry because like you said, 
they're gone for eight months out of the year. So when you're gone away from your family for eight months out of the year, that's not for everybody. So we have a high turnover rate. Um, but at the end of the day, the folks that do stick with it, it's a great living. You know, you can go from making $45,000 a year as an entry-level deckhand with zero experience on the waterways to within five years making $150,000 to $175,000. Wow. That's, uh, you know who I would think, I mean, you know better than me, but who would be good uh, candidates would be sometimes military, ex-military, and then sometimes, uh, you know, the offshore oil business has been so slow, and there used to be in a way. Is that a group you go to? Yeah, so there are a lot of opportunities for men and women coming out of the armed services for us to, uh, to, um, to attract. We do uh, attend those events, and I will tell you, we don't have as much success as you would think. Um, oftentimes, men and women who are getting out of the armed forces, out of the military, who've been away for two years at a time, come home for six months and gone again for two years, they want to be at home. And it's oftentimes because they either have younger children, that their spouse wants them to be at home. So it's not as attractive to be gone again for eight months out of the year. I realize every time we talk about health care, it's always uh, where does the money come from? Do you, is yours private pay or is it Medicare? So we primarily focused on private pay uh, contracts as well as individual clients. We try to make sure that everything is affordable so that we can grow the uh, clientele base and make it something that everyone can attain. You know, if it's a few bucks, family members have to pitch together uh, to shift mom from Shreveport to New Orleans for a wedding event. We have activities like that that happen. So I think just connecting families and keeping them together instead of, like we mentioned, a time apart, it becomes a very important thing. I would, I would imagine. They, uh, should I view you as a, in this big picture, are you the dispatcher in all this? Yes, we're, we're more of a coordinating service. The app and technology is coming along, but we find that definitely something that we want to implement, but it is a complete different uh, technique technological setup from Uber and Lyft because we have to match the proper vehicles, credentialed and insured vehicles, something that the, uh, I guess, competitors don't have to do. But wheelchairs come in different sizes and have different functions. And Which not, you wouldn't know unless you were you. Right. <laughs> so you want to make sure, you know, to send a vehicle with a traditional wheelchair capacity and you have a bariatric client, it, it, the day is canceled. That, that appointment or event, you're probably going to miss it or be late because we didn't match up the right vehicle. And you need skilled folks. Yes. And now the, the company you're working with, I assume, trains them. And yes. So that's, uh, and they're insured, the people in the, uh, are they vans, by the way? Yes. Uh, we have several style vans, uh, the minivans with the wheelchair capacity as well as the mini bus uh, with a hydraulic lift. So it's just a matter of coordinating clients with the right vehicle and assessing what their needs are at the home or at the facility. And Clark, uh, when you mentioned inland waterways, what are we talking about? The I think we all think of the Mississippi, but where else? So in Louisiana alone, we have 5,000 miles of navigable rivers, bayous, creeks, man-made canals, second in the nation, actually, with the total number of statute miles of operating capacity. You know, there's over 100,000 maritime jobs just in Louisiana alone. 
And our goal, our mission at our company is to provide the opportunity. You know, we, we talk a lot about giving someone an opportunity to make a career for themselves. And again, the attrition rate is high. We have a lot of turnover, but those that do stick with it, it really does pay off well for them for a really nice, you know, well-paid career long-term. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was visiting with a steel company once and I asked him, what's the average tenure of a worker? And the guy said, it's, I could give you the average, but that doesn't count because some stay an hour and some stay 50 years. So it's, it's really true. And one thing that we have seen a big shift in uh, over the last 50 to, to 60 years is we had multiple family members come work in this industry. So a grandfather was working, the son came, then the grandson came, or the granddaughter came. And we have found that that trend is slowly dying. And so that's part of our issue with getting out there and recruiting different workers because it's no longer by word of mouth. And so we're literally traveling to places like Iowa and Nebraska and Kansas where most people have never heard about the river industry and what it has to offer for someone who might not want to take their traditional path to college. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Clark Todd from Blessing Marine Services. They have a fleet of tugboats and barges on the Mississippi River and Irel Warren from WeLift, the rideshare company for people with wheelchairs. Irel, when I think of this business, I think of two different ways it could be handled. It could be kind of regular contracts where, you know, somebody needs to go to a doctor once a week or so, and then there's others that just pop up. Uh, is there... Is there a difference in handling that? Uh, you have to make sure that you have the capacity, you know, have a little wiggle room throughout the day for adjustments because managing the time is kind of key. Uh, some clients you can load in within about 10 minutes. Uh, some of them are delayed with their medical issues. So when you get there, you want to make sure that there's a fair window of time that gives yourself a little grace period to manage client care as well as the transport. And I imagine the companies you're working with are trying to get just the right amount of vehicles, right? I mean, they don't want a lot of them staying around unused either. Well, the benefits of this uh, in partnering with numerous companies across the state for the NEMT, most of them are already contracted and certified uh, through the Medicaid program for the state. So when Uber and Lyft came in, it just kind of gave me some ideas on how to better structure ourselves to assist in this area because it's such a high demand and need. Uh, Maybe not structure yourself like that. Well, <laughs> we're not structured like that, but <laughs> yeah, the concept, the business model out. as far as uh, being able to dispatch across a, a wide number of vehicles and uh, areas. Irel, you didn't just come into this out of uh, thin air. I mean, you were in uh, counseling, medicine, what, what was it? So about 18 years ago, um, I've been counseling and coordinating discharge plans on the psych unit. And to tell you how long ago it was, I saw a fax come across the fax machine. <laughs> Perfect dating. And I, yeah, I thought about it and I said, you know what? I can drive and talk to people. And plus the clients are a lot more friendly once they're out the hospital. Yeah. So that was the initial uh, intro into the medical transportation field and worked in a private capacity for about a decade and took on Medicaid for about five years and it just ex ex it showed me so much that was broken in the system. 
So I'm just one of those type of people that instead of talking and complaining about it because people don't want to hear that, why don't I come up with a solution that, uh, that, that suits me? Makes it better. Yep. How do the, uh, how do the patients or the, uh, uh, the services get a hold of you? Well, right now, the best way is the traditional method uh, by phone call. They can send emails through the website. Well, we find that um, on the app side of things, our demographic and community aren't as eager to embrace technology, uh, nor are they eager to put down their credit card information. So we want to always make sure that they can call us uh, Real simple number, 504-800-8005. And it's 24 hours. Someone's available to take the call, take your request. And we'll By the way, if I were to call you, need you five years from now, it would it's just moving towards the app, I would imagine. Yes, yeah, definitely. There's a, you decided to take on and be a business owner, an entrepreneur, um, after your child was born, a lot of people say, oh, you ought to do it just when you get out of school because you don't have any risk. Why'd you do it? Well, the freedoms. Uh, I've been what you call a classroom dad. So the freedoms to be on the field trips and just to uh, be involved as much as possible. And it just worked out. Clark, uh, some companies like, I think maybe Kirby's the only one, is a uh, a public company. Do you ever think of going that direction? No, we really enjoy being a private family held company. You know, my father-in-law, Walter Blessy, started this business in 1978 after uh, being an oil trader for so many years. And, and, and kind of like you, you know, he, he saw other companies out there who he was dealing with as an oil trader and said, look, I can do this better. And so he took on the opportunity with young kids at the time, um, my wife and, and her sister, and uh, really you know, grew the company from the ground up. You know, he was the, you know, the dispatcher, the logistics coordinator, and the, the housekeeper and everything in between in the early years. And we've grown to, uh, to over 750 employees today. Uh, but no, we've never even thought or considered about going public. I don't blame you. It's a pain in the neck. There's something <laughs> answering to a lot of people. What, um, what do you think the barriers to entry are in, in your business? Because there seem to be a certain number of companies and they're pretty congenial to each other what's what's the difficulty in getting a new company in there so it's capital intensive right from the get-go uh, whether it be maintenance or just uh, capital construction for the projects uh, it's very intense in today's uh, high interest rates that's just another barrier to entry uh, but the biggest barrier to entry frankly is the fact that when we deal with the major oil companies they want a history of you know safety and they want to see that you've been able to uh, manage ups and downs, uh, because at the end of the day, when you're dealing with the Exxons, the Shells, the Valeros, the BPs of the world, uh, they don't throw many eggs in any baskets that they can't trust to move their product. Because the last thing they want is to be front page media coverage of an oil spill, um, as, as you know we've seen with BP here over the last 10, 12 years, um, huge negative effect. But overall, um, there are large barriers to entry, and, and, and the last piece of it is our industry has been consolidated so much over the last 10 years that now instead of a bunch of mom and pop companies out there competing against the Kirby's of the world and the publicly traded companies, it's really just companies like ours that are substantial in size. And so we're losing that, you know, what I would always refer to as uh, the, the real heart and soul and the bloodline of, of what built this industry. And, and those mom and pops are going away. 
you know, I'll tell you something I do. Maybe this shows that I don't have much of a life, but I love to go to the fly and see the ships go by and then look up their names on the internet and it'll tell you where they're going and what they're holding. And uh, yeah. so. there, There's some great apps out there to be able to see all that information. And that's changed a lot in the last 10 or 15 years where identifying you know, what vessel you're on, it'll tell you the cargo, where it's, where it's originated from, where it's headed to. So technology um, has really been uh, some, some major advancements in our industry. And a quick question. How's the supply chain issue? Horrible. Supply chain is horrible. Uh, we're dealing with the same thing that restaurants are. Right. Um, at the end of the day, you know, everybody blames it on the fact that there's not enough people to, you know, get the tractor trailers in position to get them on the ships. Uh, we're, we're dealing with the same hardships, and you know that supply. Um, I think it's the new norm moving forward, and so I think w w as with any industry, we're we're having trouble. Whether it's getting mechanics with the right parts and pieces to come fix engines, we actually started our own engine. Um, uh, our diesel engine facility over in Texas to service just our equipment because we're having such a difficult time getting vendors to come out. So over the last five years, we've really grown that that uh, that business over in Texas uh, to the point which a lot of our competitors are asking us to come do work for them. But the reason we started is to do it in-house and to be able to protect our assets and keep them working. Now, I real, uh, this has got to be a very controversial thing a couple of years ago, but what about evacuations for hurricanes do you get called in for that yes um, we actually were able to help out um, in st. Charles parishes with Ida uh, we evacuated the day before uh, st. Charles Parish nursing home and what do you know the next day everything was wiped out so that's a big part of what we want to focus on uh, since Katrina we know what happened during that time and people were stuck and vehicles were here. So that's one of the agendas for our group is that we own all of these vehicles. Everyone also has personal vehicles. So once you've evacuated your family to safety, you know, why not come back, put your vehicles to work as well as help the clients and you can also get your vehicles out of harm's way. So. I bet it's sort of like the, uh, the boat industry in a way. You've got to move your vehicles out away from the damage of the storm so that you can be in one piece to go back and things like that. That's, um, that's, a, that's a rough rough logistics. Yeah, uh, FEMA's been a big assistance with that because they create these different, uh, I guess, evacuation areas uh, so that we can kind of congregate and map out and route how we're going to go about getting different groups out. But most nursing homes, they reach out to us once things reach a category three. And that way we can be on the front end of it. You know, that's the goal. Clark, I was curious about the Mississippi River levels and how it affects you guys going up and down the river. So as you have seen in the news media over the last uh, 12 to 15 months, we have been dealing with some incredibly low water situations. Uh, the reality is in the Mississippi River, you have both high water situations and low water. But the more recent uh, issue that we had was the low water situation. It does create a lot of headaches. So the time it takes when you have low water to go from point A to point B or port to port uh, increases dramatically. Uh, they close down portions of the river to one-way traffic, which causes backs up. Uh, it, it causes backups and delays. Uh, I believe there was one area in the Mississippi River at one point that had 75 tows strung out over 50 miles 
waiting to clear one area that was in a, a really, really significant low water situation. So it does, it, it affects our pocketbooks uh, because at the end of the day, if it takes us longer to go from point A to point B, it costs us more money. Now, Irel's going to get there just about, you know, he's with his dispatching pretty on a pretty regular basis. In other words, you're going to get there in time, which, which you're going to. But, but on the other hand, Clark, do you set a contract uh, date of how long it's going to take? And is there some wiggle room for a problem like this? So there are different types of contracts out there. Um, most of the contracts that we work under, uh, we're very fortunate to have what's called a day rate contract, where those contracts are for months or even years at a time. So uh, you're kind of protected with the amount of time it takes to go from point A to point B. But there are a lot of contracts that are point-to-point -point delivery contracts. And those are the ones uh, that you can get uh, burned really quickly if you bid the contract to take you 15 days to get from Chicago to New Orleans and it takes you 24. You eat a lot of that revenue in the end. So Aral, tell me, I want to hear a little more about the passion behind uh, the work you do and uh, kind of your career before getting into uh, the wheelchair rideshare business. Well, for me, I, I always wanted to put myself in a position to be helpful. And after I graduated college, I was living with my grandmother and helping out, transporting her. And I would also run into the issues in discharging from the hospital. So I fig figured out the most valuable piece to this medical transportation is the wheelchair uh, community. Um, it's my understanding that for 30 years now, they've been trying to come up with a solution here in New Orleans, and they haven't been able to. So a lot of facilities have been forced to get their own vehicles and you know, staff it and try to manage the uh, client's needs. But that's not always, one vehicle is not really going to uh, be sustainable in the long term to especially when it comes to helping uh, the, their individual clients outside of medical needs. They don't want to touch that. So, so Irel, we talked earlier about my barriers to entry in the maritime world. What barriers to entry do you guys have in that rideshare world? So in a medical transportation, you know, we're, we're more in a coordinating space, but the insurance, the training, the vehicles, uh, those things are critical finding the right people with the right temperament. As they will say, finding good help is hard to find. And we find that uh, you have to, kind of like Chick-fil-A, you have to have the right personality <laughs> to make a client feel Has comfortable. Has anybody ever connected those two? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you will find that a lot of our disabled members, you know, their tongue is their most powerful tool because they've become so limited in their uh, capabilities. So you want to match that up so that you don't have a, a, a growing conflict or just difference of perspectives. You want to really put the client first. And I figured as long as I'm doing something like that, constructive and positive, no one can really tell me anything negative, you know, hey, you shouldn't be transporting that person. I'm like, whatever. Can you do it? Do you have the equipment? Do you have the training? So that's, that's kind of... get your edge. Yeah. It's my niche. One of the earliest signs of human development is a baby's attempts to crawl. Apparently, one of our most basic human desires is to want to go someplace. 
most of the world is designed without any consideration of what it's like if you can't walk or you can't drive. If you can't do either, daily life can be extremely challenging. Irel, your goal of alleviating some of these challenges is a rare convergence of doing good and good business. And Clark, moving goods on our waterways, although not without its own challenges, is certainly good business. In New Orleans, the Mississippi River is a central part of our livelihood and has been from the very beginning of the city's existence. Irel and Clark, you're at very different stages of business development. Clark, your company has a reach well, sorry, sorry again. Irel and Clark, you're at very different stages of business development. Clark, your company has a reach way beyond its New Orleans roots, and Irel, your company is growing in that direction. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Irel Warren, founder and principal of WeLift. Sorry. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Irel Warren, founder and principal of WeLift Rideshare, and Clark Todd, president and CEO of Blessing Marine Services. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Irel's wheelchair world and Clark's water world by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from the show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business. New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, there's one sponsor slot open for 2023. To learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.